0: Hi, you're listening to the Perform, Prevent, Recover podcast, where we aim to bring you the latest evidence and research to enable you to perform at your best, prevent injury and recover well. The Perform, Prevent, Recover podcast is brought to you by Southern Suburbs Physiotherapy Centre. I'm Anthony Lance, physiotherapist, co-founder of SSPC and your host for today thanks for tuning in to episode 14 we're living in very interesting COVID times at the moment but one of the small positives i think we can take away is the amount of people out there that are using that very small window of opportunity that we have to exercise and it's been quite amazing to hear of all the people that have decided to take up running or increase their running and you've only got to walk past a local park or athletics track and see so many people out there trying to keep fit, which is fantastic. So I thought it would be a good idea to get some advice on what actually makes up a good running program and is just going out and doing the same run a few times a week, which is what many people do, is that good enough or can we do better with a bit of program design? And also, for those that are a little bit more serious about their running, um, can you change your program as well to get more out of it? So it's all about trying to make sure that in keeping fit with running, we have a basic idea of what components actually make up a good running program. And there's something in today's podcast for runners of all levels and all distances but before getting into today's episode if you're enjoying our podcasts please don't forget to hit the follow button on our home site and that'll make sure that you don't miss an episode and if you've got any comments or feedback um, please leave them on our site as well but for now let's get straight into episode 14. thanks for joining us for episode 14 of the perform prevent recover podcast And the focus today is to take a look at the world of recreational running in particular um, but we're also going to try and extrapolate it out a little bit to include some information for some of you more serious and and elite runners and I think uh, what brought me to this is the COVID pandemic that we're all living through has seen so many people take up running Um, there's not much else to do out there the gyms are closed the clubs are shut and Most of the athletics tracks I drive by are full of people walking. We've only got an hour a day to do some exercise. So um, we're seeing a lot of people doing some running. So even here at SSPC, we've seen many people take up the running, uh, not just for weight control, but to keep fit. But the one thing that really amazes me is that it seems like almost 98% of people have decided to start running five kilometres. And and it intrigues me a little bit that um, there's this figure that so many people are are, are trying to do. So I thought today we'd turn to um, someone who's a bit more of an expert than me in designing running programs and and find out more about um, what people should be doing when they take up running and what makes up a good running program and um, give people the chance to get the most out of whatever running session they're going to do. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce a name that's certainly uh, very well known through our clinic here at SSPC, but he's been a legend all the way from the local club, uh, Glen Huntley Athletics, um, all the way through to the world of ultra marathon runners around the world. So thanks for joining us, Dave Edie.
1: Yeah, thanks, Anthony. Yeah, pleasure to join.
0: Uh, look, it's great. I, I'm really interested to delve into your brain about the running program stuff that you do. But look, we should um, we should deal with a little bit of your career first. So just for the listeners, Dave began running, I think, in the early 90s um, with some cross-country runs and he was heavily involved at at the the famous Glen Huntley Athletics Club under the tutelage of of some um, quite famous names being Trevor Vincent and Chris Wardlaw. Dave then quickly progressed through to Commonwealth Games and Olympic Games selection trials in, in 5k and 1500 metres Respectively, and then on to Ironman. And within 18 months of taking that up, had broken the magical 10-hour mark in the Hawaiian Ironman, which was really quite an amazing achievement. So quickly, um, from there into uh, ultramarathon events picking up multiple wins uh, in Australian champs and, and events along the way is 2011 Australian male ultra runner of the year he's run all the legendary Australian events Toecozie the Great Ocean Walk ultra marathon Oxfam Surf Coast Century Mansfield to Mount Buller you name it he's he's probably done it and and the big one internationally which we'll hopefully get on to is the uh, infamous Badwater Death Valley ultramarathon. But together with that, Dave's trained with some of Kenya's best um, world champion runners. Um, he's trained with the Elite Puma Training Group in Kenya's famous Rift Valley. He's lived, trained and learnt from a number of world-class athletes. So there's an abundance of knowledge that we can pull on today. But of recent times, he's actually backed off that incredible racing schedule to focus more on the mentoring and coaching of athletes via his online running program, The Running Man. Does that sum it up, Dave? Have I missed anything? In
1: a, nu- in a nutshell, Anthony, doesn't sound like I've done much else, but run. But no, look, it, it, uh, it started actually way back. I lived in Frankston and my dad, uh, when I was nine, said, oh, well, we're going to run the Melbourne Marathon. So pff, nine, 10, 11 and 12, we had four cracks at it. Oh, wow. Uh, you yeah, ran the grade, marathon
0: four times by 12. Yeah, it was
1: grade four and I only made it to Elwood. Grade five, we made it, <laughs> uh, I think, 415. Grade six, we made it in 345. And then I was in year seven, 12 and a half years of age and ran 315 but you know what I think one thing that came out of just that summary everything I've done I've just done for enjoyment and I think that that's a key component of what we'll talk about today and it, 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 it should um, underpin you know what what your session here today is about really and that's the um, prepare prevent and recover uh, methodology and philosophy so yeah sure. look someone asked me yesterday why I run and why I still run and I said oh, I think it's just the endorphin release. For some people, yep. it's other things, but for me, it's the endorphins.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, you've uh, released uh, quite a few endorphins over the years then. But um, look, let's go... You know, One thing that interested me, looking back on what you'd done, it seems you went from running some reasonably basic cross-country runs straight into Olympic selection trials pretty quickly and then into a sub 10 Ironman triathlon in Hawaii pretty quickly. It seems like a bit of an unusual path. So what, what took you along that? And did you just sort of realize you could keep going longer and further? Is that what drove you through that pathway?
1: Well, the, the, the real reason was, I'd seen it in the wide world of sports as a kid, you know, sitting at home in the eighties and nineties, this Hawaiian Ironman, I just parked the idea, never rode a bike never swam and then when i got to Gosh. about mm, 32 um uh, the comp uh, the olympics had gone past in sydney i hadn't made it i'd made it to the last six in the sort uh, of eight in the selection and was sixth in the in the 1500 trial no good not fast enough i thought i'll have a crack at this and and bike riding became quite easy and natural and i started to think Jesus, i probably should have been a bike rider the way i take this up and then I went and um, did a bit of swimming with a bloke that's pretty well known to Southern Suburbs Physiotherapy Centre, and that's uh, Rick Cook. I couldn't swim 50 metres the first day in the pool, but just put some miles in, and then one thing led to another. And it's funny how you cross people's paths out riding, and I ran into an Olympic cyclist, Robert um, Crowe, and we just rode together, and we just, I, I trained individually for each element, and I just went to a, a, a swimming squad with John Van Wyss, he's English Channel swimmer, swam with him rode with the Olympic cyclist as a road cyclist, did my own little bit of running, sort of put it together on the day. And it, yeah, it was just, once you do bike riding, you realize you can go four to six to eight hours on a bike and you're not you're not as beat up as you are if you did that running. But once you've done an Ironman, you realize, oh, running for that amount of time can't be that difficult either. But prior to that, I would never have considered it because we used to train maybe two and a half hours maximum in a long run. so. I think that's what holds back a lot of these elite runners that have done well in the marathon or even suburban marathon runners is they, they, they think four hours and they're, they're shattered at the end of a marathon. They couldn't possibly go any further. But what I found the body can do with pacing, structure um, and a bit of a plan is, has been phenomenal really, particularly okay. some of these long runs.
0: Yeah, okay. And so if, as you went into ultras, like your list is extensive, like how many ultras do you reckon you've done in your time?
1: Maybe maybe over 10 years, maybe pushing 100. And an ultra is anything further than 45K, remember? But yeah. look, in the beginning, it wasn't easy. You, you, your legs were absolutely destroyed. But years down the track, they're not so if you did 100K. Um, and, and what we found was just pacing. Your legs got sore, yeah, they got tired. But they didn't fail you if you... Um, Went out at the right pace, and I've written that down as something we'll talk about when we go back to some this 5K phenomenon that's currently taking over sort of COVID times. Yeah. It's all relative, and everything's relative to the pace. So we we just we knew we had to cover 100K in our first ever um, 100K uh, race, and and we just sort of got on a very very conservative sort of six minutes a K, 10 hour effort, and and we found that you didn't slow down if you were if you were prepared, and we were only marathon fit. We weren't traveling any further than that. We weren't doing any more than that. We were just probably super marathon fit. And that got us to be able to slow down and extend. Of course, nutrition and hydration come into it. But yeah, just one of those things. Maybe from that early day, I just had an adaption to endurance running. But if I go right back, I didn't run any fast running in any of my runs until I was at least 22 or 23 I just ran each day although I'd run a race I wouldn't necessarily have a structured program till at least I was 22 or 23 when I went to glen huntley before that I just thought you went running every day yeah
0: just okay ran. and it's interesting so, because like when I do think about it there's not a lot that I know of super young ultra runners like do you reckon you need to do all of that other stuff and 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 get smarter and get a bit older to be a good ultra runner
1: well probably and the body probably does need to adapt there's a couple of young ones going around but they don't last and um if you look at the history of it the sport the best runners have been the older runners then people might say that's because it's you know we're just slow and old but um i think really the young ones find it hard to run slow which you need to be able to do pace but run slow to adapt to ultra marathon running because there's been some young ones that are two and a half to 245 hour marathon runners but they can't slow down enough to adequately survive some of these longer runs and they just they, they blow up so yeah look i think it's you know you've got to be you've got to be smart at what you do and you've got to be certainly prepared but knowing what i know now I I, I I if i had to i'd ride a push bike 90 percent of the time and run 10 percent i could still finish any ultra going around not saying you'd be competitive and yeah. i I'd, I'd, I'd do other things to get a strong body which is what you're you're all about just a strong body which you can do multiple ways
0: yeah and look amongst the list of things that you've done i said you've, you've literally done every great ultra in Australia and, and, and a few overseas. Is there one or two that stick out for you as being the most memorable?
1: Uh, yeah, probably first one uh, where I ran, and won an Australian title, which is the recognised uh, Athletics Australia medal. So it, it, it is recognised as an Australian title. It's a 100K on the Gold Coast. Then probably Coast to Kosciuszko, which you start at marimbula or Bega, travel from edge, edge of the water, and travel the whole way on trails and, and, and made bitumen roads all the way to the top of Kosciuszko, Mount Kosciuszko. Um, that was pretty unique. Yep. And um, look, they're all they're all good. There's no boring ones, but certainly the trail that takes you between Mount Beauty and uh, Mount Hotham is spectacular. And the one from uh, Great Ocean Walk, which you can do as a recreational walker in one day or four days, takes you from Apollo Bay to, um, to um, the Twelve Apostles. And more okay. locally, if you wanted to, you can get down to the surf coast and, and between Anglesey and Torquay and back down to Aries Inlet, some magnificent trails. So that that's how I'd sum it up in ranking order.
0: Okay. Where does Badwater sit amongst that? Oh, right
1: up there, only because um, I went there pretty new to the sport. didn't? And it was one of those epic things you see on TV, along with the Ironman, where these people are running in... You know the hottest part, one of the hottest places in the world. It's, it's like the surface of the moon, there's no trees. You're actually below sea level, running to the highest point in continent America in Mount Whitney. And it's, it's on a bitumen tarmac road, but it's just hot. And look, you get your crew driving past and waiting down the road every three or four kilometres, but it's just epic. So it was right up there on the bucket list, only 13 Australians had competed before I hadn't finished and I just wanted to go there and complete it. Um, Having the pleasure of um, seeing other people, including Nikki, my partner, um, finish it and win it. I I wish maybe I had gone back and been a little bit more competitive, but I would never ever change the fact that I went, finished 14th. That's creditable and Mm -hmm. ran a decent time because I don't think the time, anyone finishing that is legendary because you're suffering and you're walking um, as much as you are running and yeah, time doesn't necessarily define how well you go there. I think uh, the, the volume of time you're out there and the conditions dictate that yeah, you tick that off, you've done, you've done well on the day
0: yeah and so I thought I think it was was a yeah. 2012 from memory I think you did it like yeah. I, I remember watching a highlights video of that race at a charity fundraiser and um, thinking that's the greatest thing I've ever seen then your mm. wife did it three times and won it once and that's now the three greatest things I've ever seen and <laughs> you're number four so <laughs> did that not inspire you to go back and try one more to get one up uh, on her?
1: yeah it did and and to be honest um like when you meet someone like that, that runs and loves running more than you do, it sort of, it, it sits you on your ass a bit and you, you go, shit, I didn't think anyone could hurt more than I could either, but she'd be one of the toughest people I've ever met. When you're out running with her internally, never gives anything away. And and so to go back and be part of a crew for someone that's won it, that ranks right up there with anything I've done, yeah. because I, I often said, I don't think I would have had the capability to even win it in the men's division or be competitive. For whatever reasons, um, just you know the conditions and who i am and, and i don 't go that well over that distance compared to others so. That's about the next best thing, isn't it? If you can't win it yourself, be on the team of someone that did win it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was amazing. Um, And just before we get into sort of the real topic of the day, I I think in just um, talking to you briefly in preparing this, I'm sure I heard you say that, you know, my business partner, Rob O'Donnell here and a good mate of yours, I I think you said you had him covered in running. Was that right?
1: I reckon I did have him covered in running until we left the tarmac or and we went onto the uh, soft sur- surface, including uh, cross country. No one had his no, no one, um, no one had his measure. He Gosh. was just a dif- different animal. He had this little choppy leg turnover, and it was very, yeah. very effective in cross country. And his skinny little legs. And you know, you look at it. So he didn't have the rhythm for a marathon runner, but he had the effective rhythm over uneven cross country. Very, very, very. Talented, underrated, probably, um, you know, he represented Australia, no worries, World Cross and that, but yeah, unbelievably top athlete, good engine. Um, Yeah, but on the track, I would have liked to have said I could have, I had his measure. (laughs)
0: radio all righty look let's get into uh, what we want to talk about and look there it has you know at our end there's been such a significant increase in people just taking up running basically because there's nothing else to do have you noticed that yourself you've just seen so many more people starting to run and and have you noticed that 5 Ks just seems to be a mark that people often that have never run before just seem to want to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised myself just driving around the amount of people that are out walking, trying to run, look like they've taken it up for the first time. It's fantastic and um, good for physios, but um, yeah, I think it's great. And you've got to reframe any picture and get a positive from it. And so that's, uh, and that's how I internalize things in life. a half full, not a half empty. So hundred percent for me, I, I went down Crawford Racecourse race course the other day, the people out walking their dogs and doing different things. You'd never have seen them. No. So that's fantastic kids out in their bikes a bit more, which is good, but certainly running. I'm going past people and they're going past me. And I think, gee, this is good. This is good.
0: So Ken, um, do you think someone who has never run before, and let's take these COVID times and they say, I want to, I'm going to run 5Ks, you know, is it realistic for someone who's never run before? Do you think just to take it up and expect in a month or two that they are going to be able to run 5Ks continuous? Well, i
1: think so I know I know so I've coached a number of people but it's it's about um, you know when you understanding your background and, and let's just take someone quickly that hasn't run before certainly you're not going to recommend or they shouldn't be just going out and running 5k first off they certainly could um, adapt the body very quickly in a week a month is adequate to you can walk that distance um, take an hour and then you could get your body ready with you know, it's crazy as it is. I say to people that have come to me and they've only done no running. I say, look, we're going to go out for 15 minutes and we're going to just run three or four, 400 metre efforts. And let's just work out what that feels like, looks like for you. And we're just going to start from there. And then we might just do that one or two times a week. And then the following week just increase on that. And it's a pretty structured approach for someone that hasn't run. And it's it's all around also understanding what pace they're running and what pace what pace that is in terms of an effort level. So if they're running along and they, you know, they, they go a kilometre before they have to stop and walk because they're tired. Well, yeah, we've got a problem. But certainly, I could take most novices down to a park and within a week of three, to even three or four runs. And when I say run, we we would might only cover two or three k, and we'd run walk it. We will adapt the body pretty quickly.
0: And so, are you saying with that more so? Again, let's take this novice. That it's is it more important for them to get their pace right than just worry about distance when they're learning to run? Yeah,
1: yeah, correct. I think first thing is pace. Um, identifying sort of what's a reasonable distance off their, their their historic background of who they are, and if they've they've been just say they've been fit, then non-smoking, they've done a bit of sport in their time, but they haven't run for three or four, maybe 10 years, then we, we would we would get them just running relative, let's just think of an athletics track. We might just get them running, jogging, 400 metres, walk 400 metres, jog 400 metres, walk 400 metres. We've covered 1,600 metres and that might be it. But the second element under that would be consistency. So I'd say, don't just do that on the first day and then in, in five days time, repeat it. I'd have a structured approach where it's, you know, disciplined to be every second day. And if people said, look, oh, I'm in COVID times, I can exercise up to an hour a day. I want to, I want to do something every day. Well then I'd have them certainly be out there for an hour walking if they wanted to, but I wouldn't recommend it. I said, let's just do half an hour activity. We're going to do a mile worth of running uh, and, and we'll start with that. And um, that's how I'd frame it up from a novice. Um, but we have people and there are people that come along and they can easily cover the three K jogging along just their bodies adapted over the years and they're fit enough to just jog along it and cover three K, uh, they might be doing six minutes per K and that's sort of 18 minutes and they do that quite easily. Then I, I would just focus around that distance. You don't have to be going out doing five K every day to get fit. In fact, I, I would say let's, let's approach it like we would if we we're running a marathon. We wouldn't run the marathon every time we go out running. So we don't necessarily have to go out every day and run the 5K distance. We can do other things. We might do shorter distance. We might run the 3K, we might run five. It just depends on how we structure it up. Now we're talking the very lowest level. Yeah. So you know, for the mums and dads that I see, or the young people I see, or young kids, 15, 16, 20, that I see out just running then then that's what I would be suggesting.
0: Okay and what about let's say you've got someone that is a regular runner because there's plenty of these people that do love their running and let's say it doesn't matter whether it's 5k or or 8 or 10 and you get these people that might run three times a week 5ks at a time and they'd love to get a little bit quicker. Is the best thing for them to do just keep running for another month or two and, and you'll get quicker just by default, just by repetition? Or what would you suggest to them if they want to get a bit better and a bit quicker, they're running 5Ks three times a week, what would you throw into their program to improve their times?
1: Well, I personally get them to write down and, and what they're currently doing and I don't move much from that. And Let's just call it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday for for ease of consistency. It doesn't matter. And I'd say, right, let's do that. And and if they're just doing five or eight or 10K every day and they just say, I'm just running, I'd say, righto. One of those days is going to be a little bit longer than you're currently doing. Okay, so if they're running up to a maximum of 8K, I'd say the last day of the four runs you do, we're going to make that a little bit longer. The two of the runs we're going to make just as they are, nice and easy run to effort level. And I'd want to examine what the pace is that they're doing and whether that's an effort level of a 10 or a five. And the other session or run I'd be structuring a, a, a run of the same distance they're doing. So they might just do five K. Okay. Well, in the middle of that, we're going to put some structured effort level or uh, call it speed work where we're going to lift the pace and do some different type of running. Now, some people may need to go to an athletics track and we just get them lifting the pace for 400 meters. That's all it might take. Other people might go down to Dendy Park and I'd say, okay, do three laps, jog the first lap in your comfortable pace. Second lap, what I want you to do is just lift the pace to to a stage where effort level's about a seven or an eight, but you can't really talk. But if someone was running alongside you, the conversation would still be able to be held, but you'd be a little bit out of breath. And so, we are trying then to in, increase an in effort over the week, but include some speed work and structure. So, you know, you can make it up, but it's best that you start with something like 10 minutes of effort, hard for a minute, hard, easy for a minute. So it's hard for a minute, easy for a minute. It's 10 by one minute efforts, and then um, 10 easy efforts. If yep. that made any sense? Yep. So, and if that's too far for people, they might just start on hard for a minute, easy for a minute, hard for a minute, easy for a minute, five times. So you're only doing five of each. Sure. Confuse myself there, but it's 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 just a minute effort. Yep. Um, repeating. Yeah. Repeating.
0: Yeah. So but where it, the it, tempo session? Does that sort of come into this? What's the definition of that? Where does it fit in?
1: Okay. Well, what I describe as a tempo effort is if we were. Um, just lifting the pace to an uncomfortable um, speed and we could hold a conversation, but, but not easily. So it's something, a pace that you might be able to hold for the the whole distance of your longest run that you're currently doing. So if someone said to me, I oh, currently longest run I do is 8K, I'd say, okay, well, an effort that I'd call tempo is where you could just lift the pace slightly and um, run that whole 8, 8K at a a little bit of an increased effort level so tempo but when what i call speed work under my regime or generally speaking is where we'll lift the pace to um something that you do over say 200 400 or 600 meters where you certainly wouldn't be able to talk or you'd be going a lot faster than than um, you would if if you were just running at a level that we call tempo and then easy running is just that jogging along effort level of about a five or a six out of ten
0: Okay. And if you've got a person, you know, let's take a 5k runner again, that's going pretty well, and they just decide they want to jump up to 10. Are they just doing um, double of the structure that you've just talked about? Or do they get more miles in the legs first? Like if someone wants to have a reasonably significant increase in their running distance, what what do you throw into their program?
1: Well, we, 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 we do the same speed work. We might, in, we might increase the distance and time that the speed work goes for, but we wouldn't double it from a 5K program to a 10K program, certainly not. What we would try to increase is the general running days and the long run day. So, you know, let's just take it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday for ease of convenience here. And we'd say, you know, Monday and Friday are just an easy run, maybe eight to 10K jogging along if we make it rel- and and then the, the the wednesday run is always going to be a harder effort your speed work and that sunday long run's going to be longer maybe 12 to 15 kilometers and and you're just running along reasonably easy but wednesday we would just increase the distance or the time those speed work elements go for so we might we might progressive for a 5k runner and we're doing 400 meter repetitions and someone said I now want to be able to run a a 10k well instead of doing four 400s or six 400 efforts we might do eight 400 efforts so um, that that's the philosophy uh, but it it is all very very specific in the beginning but I think um, what we might try to do is just nut out a bit of a 5K uh, program that most people listening in can structure up against and it makes some sense to them. Sure.
0: So variation is really important.
1: Yeah, variation. So it's really light and shade, you know, and whether you're running once, well, you wouldn't only want to be running once a week, but if you were running once a week, you won't probably see results other than general fitness. Minimum three a week. And if we're just running three times a week and we're just running five kilometres, we work up to that level of fitness. And someone comes along and says, yeah, I want to improve my 5k time. I've got an end of COVID time trial with some friends. What can I do? Even the same approach with those three runs. One we do easy, one we do harder and one we do longer. So what I'd say is the easy run, yeah, stick, stick to your 5k, jog along, have a conversation with your buddy, nice and easy. That harder run, I'd say, look, just head down to the athletics track. All I want you to do is lift the pace over 400 metres to an effort that's, you know, feels like a seven or eight out of ten. Not sprinting, you're not jogging, but somewhere in between. So it's an effort level about an eight or a nine out of ten, and it's uncomfortable. And you might do four of those with a with a lap walk jog in between. So that's your hard speed work, and that's probably the main session for the week. And then that longer run, I'd say, look, if you want to just cover seven kilometres, if you find that's a long way, just put in a little bit of a walk break every now and then if you've only ever done 5k and and slow the pace down. So take your 5k easy running day, slow the pace down, push yourself to run 7k and that would be my three-run menu for the week if average runner... Average neighbour, average Joe said, or Josephine said, I want to increase my speed over 5K and I only run three days a week.
0: It's interesting because, I mean, we we find anyway from a physio perspective that repetition of the same thing is is not brilliant on the body. You know, that's what can lead to a lot of the overuse things that we see. and And there's even been some interesting things with, you know, studies more recently with bone density and we always thought that runners would have a better bone density just because they they run and impact the ground. But you know, it's really been shown from an injury and body health perspective that, that variation in the demand on the body is much, much better on our health and actually less injury risk if you get the variation right. And in effect, what you're saying is even just from a pure running perspective, if you wanna get the best out of yourself, then you know, running five K three times a week, is nowhere near as good as three different running sessions.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah, variation and extrapolate that right out to an ultra marathon distance. When I'm training, I don't just go out and run 20 K a day. I'll run um, maybe every day, but I'll still take the same philosophy where two or three times a week, I'll jump in and make the running a little bit faster and harder and maybe over some Hills. A um, couple of days will be super easy, just flat running. And then one of the days I'll go longer, including walking, and I'll, I'll be in the mountains, the Dandenongs or uh, Yuyangs or over at Churchill. And um, we're, we're not superhumans, we're not running every single hill. We're actually, it's a, it's a great sport, ultramarathon running. So we take a backpack, we've got food, it's a picnic on legs, and we walk all the hills. Yeah. Sounds, pretty, sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> um,
0: so tell me on that, which is an interesting point, is that now that we're in a one hour exercise uh, window allowance, what are you and, and other ultra marathon runners doing when you can only run for an hour a day?
1: Well, I've personally dropped bloody six kilo, and I'm running faster and better than I have in the last 15 years, probably it's because of the one hour intensity. Like I'm finding that the fitness, I recovered quickly and better. So, okay, I was, I, I was running an hour a day I'm recovering easier. So there's no, um, hangover from, you know, over distance. So that's a benefit. Then I found that I was sweating a lot more cause I was running a lot faster and it, it's just got me fit. And, um, and, and that was what I'd, I, would, I would even say to your average runner that's, uh, well, I won't use average because anyone out there doing running is doing a good job, but someone that's only doing three runs a week, they can, they can also find improvement by saying, right, this week I'm going to have one rest day or two, but I'm going to run five or six times and I might only cover two kilometres each time. If but go if, faster. If just, yeah, go faster on a couple of those days. Go faster, go easier go faster, go easier. So it's, 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 there's light and shade.
0: Where do you reckon when we come out of, let's say it's September 13 or whatever it is and we're allowed to exercise as much as we want, where do you reckon your fitness level will be at the end of this six-week period? Having said you've dropped six Ks, you're running quicker, you're sweating more, et cetera. Where do you reckon you'll be compared to when you entered this six-week period doing your normal training?
1: I'll be faster and harder over shorter distances. I'm looking forward to applying that philosophy on, a, on my first long run, which I'll probably, considering we've only been allowed an hour, exercise an hour a day, I'll make maybe three hours in the Dandenongs and see, would run walk, and see how that, that fitness holds up over an endurance distance or a, a, a longer period of time and see if there's that correlation. Because what we're finding now as ultra runners is incorporating a lot more what I would call tempo faster, harder running for two to three hours and in an ultra marathon week, and that's, that's providing better results than just running junk miles of you know three thirty to forty to 50 K runs a week. So I think we'll be, I'll be personally a lot fitter. Um, I, I wouldn't even be frightened to just jump straight in. Off the fitness level I've got and run a 50 or 100k race, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even be worried because I know that the and we're talking elite level here the the strength and endurance has been achieved in another methodology by just running harder and faster more often during the week.
0: Yeah, so so you may actually come out of this potentially changing your training habits a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, not not too worried about um, massive k's. They're certainly important in phased approach to running, but I wouldn't be worried about the whole week being a slow uh, turtle type of training. I I might wind it back to be a little bit more like the hare. But with ultra running, when you are doing a 30 or a 40 or a 50K run throughout the week, that takes time to recover from. And what we have to do, we can't afford that luxury of three or four days recovery we have to be out there day in day out and your body just turns into a big slow beast of an animal that's you know predominantly tortoise versus a hair type and the tortoise always wins out and it's hard to do it's hard to do quality sessions off the back of big mileage you can do them but they're certainly not the quality they are at the moment where we're only running an hour and you've got your body adapts and recovers so much better which probably in layman's terms tells me don't overtrain. So if your limit for who you are is a 3k run every day in total distance, do it every day, but make sure there's that light and shade and we get some speed work in there. And, um, and we, we, the other thing I failed to mention in a lot of the programs people do is I want to do 3k hard today, 3k hard tomorrow, have one day of easy running, then 3k hard again, then 3k hard again. So in five days, they've done four, three kilometer hard efforts and it's, it's not that at all you probably want to be just going you know hard easy easy long hard so there's a bit of bit of time and distance or not distance, but there's a bit of time between your hard running days, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's go, like you mentioned massive K's and uh, the definition for most people, massive K's is the marathon. And if there's two things that I reckon I'm asked about, uh it is either five K's or it's 42 K's. People are one extreme or the other. Now, if someone comes into the clinic here and says, I'm, I'm, uh want to train for a marathon I just shoot them straight across to Rob or Dane um, to be honest but let's say you have somebody that just says um, and I think of your average footballer in their off season says oh I'm going to run Melbourne Marathon what doesn't how long does a person need and and what's what's their training program what's a big week how do you structure a marathon program for people
1: well I think someone you've just described needs a minimum of 12, but so it's not overwhelming, set them 16 weeks. Yep. And and that's, that's not that long if they're committed. And I, I straight away get them on five days of exercise a week. Okay, and that might have to be three runs, two walks just to start with, but if they're capable of out there for five runs, and like I said, they might start on five 30 minute runs and we'll build on that. And in those 30 minute runs, there's still gonna be some hard running but the philosophy won't change, that's five runs. We're gonna have two easy, we're gonna have two bit harder, one will be a tempo run, and one will be a pure speed work run, and I'll go through this in a minute, and the other one will be a long run. So if we took it Monday to Sunday, and we had, let's just say Monday and Friday we have off, so we're running Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and we just keep it for that, for simplicity, and what we're doing is we're making Wednesday and Saturday your hard effort days. We're making Tuesday an easy run, Thursday an easy run, Sunday long run. So the, the week looks like Tuesday easy, Wednesday hard, Thursday easy, Friday off, Saturday hard, Sunday long. And the long run, you know, it might only start at 60 minutes, but it will, it will build to two to two 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 and a half hours. But you've got to have a starting point. And remember, we'll work on what their pace is. And so, you know, we'll work out that if they want to run. First thing i say, what time do they want to run? They usually say about 4.10, which is six minutes a K. So I know that's a pretty, pretty good starting point. So I get them, I get them running on their easy days and their long days, a little bit slower than their race pace. Remember their race pace is six minutes a K. So, you know, somewhere between 6.15 and 6.30 per K that's minutes per kilometer. Now we're talking someone that's gonna do a four 4.10, so that's six minutes a K average footy player that says off season or on a marathon. And I then worry about the two hard days. Saturday, what we do is we structure that up so it's a tempo effort. So it's learning to run, you know, 30 minutes easy, 30 minutes of tempo. And that tempo, we, we work out the pace, obviously a little bit quicker than six minutes. You know, in the beginning, it might only be five minutes 45, but in, in time, it'll come down. And the Tuesday, uh, oh, sorry, the Wednesday, the other hard run, I get them straight onto the, you know, six by 400 metre efforts, going reasonably fast. And after each 400 metre effort, you'll do a 200 metre float run, slow run recovery. So it's 400, 200, 400, 200, six times. And that is a pretty good menu starting point for a marathon runner. And And as we go, we just increase, we just increase that intensity of that we want the runs done, the hard runs, Wednesday, Saturday, and we increase the Sunday run distance. So if that sounds pretty simple enough, uh, that's the basics to it. And um, again, the thing that sits over the top of that is the pace. When the person comes to me, it's if anyone can do it, it's working out what pace are they going to run the race at? want to run it at what pace are they currently running down the road in a training run and doing five kilometers in and it's an easy it's easy for them so if they come back and say i'm easily doing five kilometers in 25 minutes i know that their easy running pace is five and a half minutes a k and that's sort of what i work around as their their everyday running pace because that's easy for them what people tend to do is go out of the door and You know, every second day they're running at five minutes per kilometre for the run. And then when they come to their speed work, they've compromised their speed work because they've been running too fast on what should be just a general easy running day.
0: Let's take a short break and reflect back on our most recent podcast with former Essendon superstar Matthew Lloyd. Reflecting back on the many highlights and some of the lowlights of his career, and here's a small snippet of what he had to say about Essendon. You know, we don't need to go through all of the drug stuff, but but it really ruined Essendon, didn't
2: it? Yeah, yeah, it did, and um, it's it's tough for me to speak because obviously I wasn't there, and I'm only hearing off a few players that to speak to, and um, but occasionally about how it all went down, and and things like that. But yeah, I, I remember someone saying to me, this will take 10 years for Essendon to recover. Yeah. And, and I thought, oh, 10 years, but they're spot on. Like it will, will take 10 years. Like, um, when nearly, what year was it again? Um, two, yeah. Uh, yeah. 2012 yeah. season, I think 13, 2013, 2013, 2013
0: suspended.
2: Yeah. So like, yeah, it's got to, yeah, they, yeah, it'll take, yeah, they're, they're going okay now and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's sort of taken a long time, right? Just, yeah. The broken friendships out of it, you know, like yeah. it's sort of um it, you know won't go into who they are, but it's amazing no. how many fractured relationships have been from that that'll never be the same ever yeah, again. Um sad. And, and, and just, you know, i best mates with a guy by the name of Angus Montries who um you know, played one game after that. Yeah. Um, you know, and very upset with you know how things ended ended for him and um and that big so just destroyed so many careers, so many friendships. I was shocked because yeah, my last year was 09 and you know, never heard of anything like yeah. the program they went down. So it's amazing how you know they let you know, the, the wrong people into their footy club. Sure. James Heard would never ever want to cheat, but he um, was a competitive person and he was probably naive and inexperienced as a senior coach, and he he was sold. Um, that everything will be fair and legal, but we'll get an edge. We'll get an edge and uh, went down that path. And, uh, yeah, it's um, absolutely devastating for those individuals and the club.
0: If you want to catch up on episode 14 with Matthew, jump across to the Perform, Prevent, Recover page and you'll be able to download that episode and everything else we've done. But for now, let's get back to marathon training programs with Dave Eady. And you seem to talk a lot about uh, time more than distance. So, you know, we could say, look, you're going to run 42Ks. Your longest run at the peak of your training might not be more than 32 or 33 or 35. But would you more talk, well, you're going to run 4 hours 10, so your run needs to be three hours long. So is it time more than distance in your, uh, terminology?
1: Yeah. And it's a psyche because if I say go out of the, and it's, it is honestly a psychological, if I say go out the door and give me 15 kilometers, I think there's a natural tendency to go harder to get the distance covered. Whereas if I say go out and run for 60 minutes, you can't run further than 60 minutes in 60 minutes. And and there is, a, there is a training methodology to that, that, sure, they can pick the pace up, but it's easier to talk about the pace over time rather than time over pace, if that makes a sense to those that are following my train of thought. So when I say go for 30 minutes, I can get them to report back and say, well, what was the effort level for that 30 minutes? Oh, yeah, it was a five. Okay, well, how far did you cover? Okay, so... They're, they're, that's just always been my philosophy for, um, I found works well for um, the, the, the audience that we're talking to here. Not necessarily going to resonate with our elite runners, our Nicky's, our Donna Erkarts, and those people that are, and, and Robbie and myself in my day, where it was all about, oh, I've got to cover 16K in a training run today to get the you know certain mileage. But no, I talk time, so I can then talk perceived effort level and then I can talk, working out what pace that is.
0: Okay, and what's the longest, again, the, their peak run time-wise? Let's let's just keep it simple and say someone's expecting to run four hours for yep. a marathon. What would their longest time running training be?
1: Well, I'd work it out so that they probably cover somewhere between 32 and 35 kilometres, and that's probably gonna take them three and a half hours. And I would build to that. So that wouldn't be week one. That might be, and week 12 is obviously the race. If we're on a 12 week, that might be about week seven to nine. Okay. So Build from week one to week seven to nine. And yeah, probably about three quarters, cover three quarters of the distance. I don't, I've never prescribed to, yeah, you've got to do 40 K before the marathon cause you got to recover from that. It's only a psychological barrier, believing that if you only did a 32 or 35 K maximum long run, you'll get the distance because it's the hard running you've done, complementing the long runs that actually strengthens up the body. On the day you'll get there, but too many people fall into this, I've got to over distance training, got to do the distance before the race. Well, not necessarily. And Steve Monteghetti never did, and I know he's a different athlete, but if the elites don't do it, I don't know why we need to do it.
0: Yeah, okay. And what about, um, let's go back again to, in normal times as in when we're all working and working long hours and kids and family and and people might not have the time to do five days a week and in fact your average footballer is lucky to do once a week uh in their marathon training what do you reckon is the minimum runs per week somebody needs to have a reasonable crack at finishing the marathon given you know a 10 to 12 week prep let's say four Four runs a
1: week. This this is not
0: an exact science
1: because you need to serve me up the person, and I could get them if they're saying, "Well, I'm playing footy and I'm riding a bike to work and I, I'm a builder." But if I'm a if I'm a um, you know public servant sitting in the council building doing nothing, I tell you what I'd say to them: "You can only run three days a week. Is that right? Where do you park your car? Oh, you're yeah, in the basement. No, we'll park it for, for two kilometres away, and you've got an extra ten minute walk there, ten minute walk back. It's going to give me some time on legs, but." Look, some people are getting away with it with three and you can do it on three. And to be honest, I had a period where I trained for bad water and I was doing three runs a week. So three minimum, probably four is ideal, but best, best practice is five and you can still run five times a week, 30 minutes. It's if you can go out the door and run three times for an hour, there's three hours. Well, we can work around it, but yeah, look, three, four or five, it does really depend, but let's, let's just say minimum. If you don't want to suffer, four.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm sure everyone. I I think everyone suffers at the end, regardless. But anyway, um, let's. I I want to go back. I've got a couple more questions. Um, I want to go back to the 5K runner. And again, it's along the same theme of what I was just talking about with, you know, someone's a bit time poor and they're happy running their three 5Ks a week. And they just say, hey, Dave, just give me one thing to make me get a bit fitter with this you know i'm not going to run four times and i can't do one long one slow one what what's the one thing you'd say to them to add into their program
1: take yourself to an athletics track and that that um in between you've got three runs the middle run of the week whenever that is so you might some people just do monday wednesday monday tuesday wednesday doesn't matter the middle run of your runs during the week go to an athletics track and punch out some hard running over 400 metres and with a 400 metre or a couple of minutes recovery between. And that is that would be the basis of what I'd say. And I'd keep them to 400s and 200s. Because at the end of the day, if you can generate and increase your leg speed, um, that'll be the best attribute that, that short term over that those three runs will help you. You could run three times a week, covering 5K each time for five years and never see any improvement. It's putting in that harder running that will show you imp- and find you the improvement you need. Leg turnover.
0: Okay, that that's great. Uh, let's um, let's go to the real extreme and talk about people you've trained with, like the Kenyans, the the, the best of the best with. Um, A lot of these running events, particularly the endurance ones, like are they doing... You've just been through a rough program or a rough outline. Are they just doing it better? Are they doing it more consistent? Are they genetically blessed? Like what what do the Kenyans do that make them so good at endurance running in particular?
1: I know people find it hard to believe, but after we spoke on um, Tuesday about this podcast, the phone rang on Tuesday night when I was sitting there with my son and... It was Luke Kipkoski from Kenya ringing in on um, Scott. And we started chatting about it. And I said, mate, were you just genetically blessed? Did you train harder than I did? What was the go? He said, I trained hard so I could race easy. Now they were genetically blessed with something that we weren't, but they were doing the same structure. Tuesday hard, Thursday hard, Saturday hard, Sunday a bit longer and everything in between was just general running. So they, 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 and they were consistent, but those sessions were hard and they were fast. Of course, there was 30 of them there and they were still strung out like brown cows because it's on ability, but they had a structure. The way it's sequenced, the easy running in between those hard runs, it all adds up, it all adds up.
0: So the thing that surprised you the most training with them was the intensity of the hard sessions? Yeah, the
1: intensity of the hard sessions and um, their genetic ability to just cover the ground. Um, the rest that they had, we we're in a bit of a compound, they'd go home and sleep and rest and um, they, no, simple life, no, no junk, no, no crap, no cokes, no, just simple life. And um, don't know, they were, just, they were just blessed with obviously living at altitude, uh, all of the uh, things that you hear, they run to school, yep, they ran to school all right, and there's kids running back and forward. But they trained hard. Amazingly, those Kenyans—they had two months off a year. They had um, uh, December, January off, and um, no, no, what what months did they have off? Uh, October, November they had off, and then they'd come back to the camp in December. So yeah, anyway, that was in my day in the nineties. They had two months off. We wouldn't dream of having two. No, maybe there's there's something to rest. There's something to rest that we we haven't comprehended in the um,
0: in the Western world. So, talking about uh, what you've learnt in the past, um, let's go on to the future for you. Like, um, I believe you might be about to hit the next uh, tick box in our questionnaires on on the in the age category soon. So, um, what what's coming up for you?
1: Ah, uh, a fifty fiftieth birthday. Yeah. Um, what about running was... wise? <laughs> yeah. Look, I could have easily given it up a little while back and never run again, if and just support Nikki. You know, I'm, I'm, and, and that's really all I've done since since I met her is just support her running because you can't you can't have two two a a athletes in the house and egos and not we've got egos but you know factoring you oh, know I've got to race and I've got to train so I've just let her yep her training's the most important thing in the world and fit it in so I'm not sure you know I, now this COVID's given me a bit of a re- renewed vigour to oh shit the body still goes alright for a 50 year old um set some new challenges around that whip a few young bloke's asses over some of these ultras um maybe go to some of these big bigger longer 100, 100 mile ma- mountain races and um you know have another crack because what we've actually effectively done for ultra runners here is given us an enforced break so it's repaired the body Yep. we wouldn't get this sort of low in, when i say low intensity we wouldn't get this low mileage type um period ever and it's it's I don't want to let them into the secret. I hope there's people out there <laughs> not sticking to the hour a day, and they're on their indoor treadmill running their asses off because it's fresh in the body.
0: Yeah. So how many how how many K's a week would you be doing at the moment compared to what you think you would have been doing if COVID wasn't around? Like how big's the difference?
1: Well, I'm running probably seven times four. Call it thirteen. Average it out for the week. Call it fourteen. So even fifteen. That's what. 70, some about 100, 90, 95 to 100. That's been consistent over the whole COVID, particularly stage four. So that's a shitload better than what I was doing. Some weeks I'd be doing 60, then 160, then then another 40 and then back up to 100 just because of the way you structure your ultra training where you, you, you're recovering or you can't be bothered or you've got an event coming up. So yeah, better, better, okay. better, better, consistent mileage.
0: And look, mate, just to um, just to finish off, like, that's been fantastic. Like, lots of brilliant information for, for everybody. But can you tell us just like really quickly about what you do do with your mentoring and coaching and if people do want a little bit of a hand, how they can get hold of you?
1: Um, yeah, so what I do is I've got a pretty good call to action uh, tagline there in The Running Man. So it's the www.therunningman.com.au. And look, I'm just out to... To give some of my knowledge back, I don't know everything. There's lots of great coaches out there, but certainly if someone wants to come along, sit down, we'll structure something up suited to their needs, specific to what they're doing, what they want to do. I don't try try to change people's lives and make them train on days they don't already train. They train, but certainly we'll get results. And um, you know, I limit the the risk factor in people over training under training and getting getting their um to their, their goal race what i will do is um certainly look pumping my own ties up the feedback is um i encourage and motivate and generate um belief in people and, and that's all i want to really be able to educate people anything's possible and um certainly i'm maybe i might have some genetic differences to other people but yeah, I can help where, where needed and um, certainly from 5K to, you know, 100 miles, wh- whatever it takes their fancy, I- I'm there to
0: help. That's great, mate. Well, look, um, as I said, it's, uh, it's a, a lot of brilliant information in there. So I appreciate you passing on uh, your pearls of wisdom. i um, sure everyone can take something away and um, good luck with the 50th coming up and, and hope you come out of these COVID conditions a better runner than you entered, which is quite amazing to think.
1: Well, yeah, well, maybe. And maybe um, just before we finish, mate, it's not. It's, it's important I make sure I uh, emphasise the point of it's not a pay-for-comment either. As you know, I've been uh, involved with Robbie and yourself since day one. But certainly for those listening in, what I will say around um, injury, uh, massage and um, any practitioner that, that's out of, well, particularly your clinic, what I can say about yourself and Rob is, I always needed to go and did go to someone that knew about running for my injury. And I think if you're going to someone who you don't necessarily have the full belief in, or um, you don't think they understand the injury, then I think you're not doing yourself any um, justice. And and the other thing is get in early with your niggles and they're all part of um, being a runner. Certainly we see them as, oh geez, it's a failing because I've got injured, but, But no, we get injured for a whole range of reasons, um, from diet to overtraining to just uh, genetics or structurally an an imbalance or, like you said earlier, running on the wrong surface in the wrong, wrong, wrong shoes. So, yeah, I'm a big supporter of you guys, only because you know about, from my perspective anyway, running injuries. So admire what you're doing
0: much appreciated and if we're on an honesty session i've got to tell you those odd times i saw you i'd, I'd shut the door go out and ask rob what to do with you and come back in so um, uh, rob and Dane are certainly the running experts in the clinic but appreciate your words and mate appreciate your time it's been really nice to to chat. Good luck into the future.
1: Yeah, will do, mate. It must be a good sign if uh, not for your business. If I'm not visiting the clinic, that's a good sign for me. <laughs> but not, I might just come down with a couple of coffees and have a special <laughs> visit when it's all
0: over. Yeah. Good on you, Dave. Really appreciate your time. Anytime, Anthony. Thanks. Well, that's it for episode 14. And hopefully there's some takeaway information for all of you in that episode. It certainly answered my main question, which was the one around the two or three times a week, five kilometer jogger. It doesn't take much to slightly change a running program to potentially make a big difference to not only your fitness, but also the times that you're doing. So that's great. Small changes, big results. And the simple thing is just putting some variation and some speed into it least one of your training sessions. So if you head across to our show notes I've added an outline of some programs that Dave has sent us to give us a basic idea of structure in your program whether you're a three or four or five day a week runner but for now that's it from us. Hope you've enjoyed it. We've got a great episode with triathlete Luke Bell coming out within a few days, so please don't forget to hit that follow button to ensure you get notified as soon as that next edition is released.